The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we're proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. On your copy of God's Word to Exodus 34. Exodus 34, we're nearing the end of this series, God of Glory, that we've been in for several months now, after a day, just two more, as we've been working our way through it. But you're new at Redemption, and welcome, and welcome aboard to the Exodus train we've been on. You should know this about us, the church, we love the Word of God here. Now, in the previous uh, chapters that we have covered in recent weeks, Moses had been on the mountain receiving instructions. Remember this? He had been up there and getting those instructions for the, the Ten Commandments and then the expanded forms of the laws and how they were to build the tabernacle and how the priests were to dress and the things that they were to do. And there God gave those Ten Words or those Ten Commandments as the foundational aspect to their law that would govern these people. And he gave it to them on these two tablets. But as we said, they sinned, the people sinned, and those tablets had been smashed. So now as we picked up, what did we just read? God gives them a what? Second chance. He calls Moses back up to uh, the top of the mountain, Mount Sinai. He says, hey, come on up early in the morning. Prepare yourself again. Come on up this time. Come alone. Joshua's assistant doesn't get to come with him. No people, no animals, as we just read. Rise early and make the journey, which is exactly what he does. And in verse 5 then, who shows up but the Lord? The Lord shows up, and it's a very interesting thing here. It says, the Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Do you see that? Do you catch that? It's like God is announcing himself to the people, lest there be any mistake as to who just showed up. Now, you, probably like me, when you answer the phone, hopefully you announce yourself. If you don't, if you're one of the people that just says, hello, um, sometimes that's confusing for, for the rest of us. So I've taken, uh, when I, if you call my personal phone, my normal uh, uh, way that I answer is I'll say, hello, this is Blair. Now, the reason I do that is because when I was a kid, I was often mistaken by siblings or even my parents, and they would, people would begin talking to me as if I was my mom or my dad. Just me. And so I began to announce myself. If you call the church, the church line, and I answer, I'll say, thank you for calling Redemption Bible Church. This is John. No, I won't do that. Like you ought to say, this is Blair. And so now, in a much more magnificent way, as the Lord shows up, he announces himself. That was just a silly example, but the Lord is saying, this is who I am, as he, as verse 6 says, passes before him. Isn't that just a phenomenal thought? It should cause us to say, whoa, God is passing. And he proclaims then in verses 6 and 7 what some theologians consider the most definitive revelation of God's character by himself. Packed into these verses is so much about the Lord. Look at everything. We'll take it just a, a, a bit of time here. He claims the Lord, the Lord, and created Remsis. He is saying, this is I am. It is Yahweh. Then he revealed himself to Moses in the bush. If, was, if Moses had endured, but if this was the same God, no, it is the same one. That revealed himself in the bush and had led them out of the I'm going to do it. He reveals his plan. He reveals what he will do and then what the Israelites are to do and not to do also. And so what should they do at the revelation of these instructions? Should they like offer their opinion back for the chances of success? God, well, I've calculated the weapons that we have and our enemies have and, you know, I just... Should they complain about the difficulty and the cost that it will take on their pocketbook and even the life that will cost to go into this war? 
They explore other options and see what the other gods of the other nations might offer to do for them as well. Maybe there's a better land, more land, more lush land. Think they should do that? Of course not. It'd be absurd to argue and to complain and to explore other options when the Lord says, this is how you live a life that honors me. They should simply just worship him exclusively through their obedience, whether they want to or not, whether they think they're able to or not, no matter the cost or what any reasonable offer somebody else makes. See, the Lord is he's renewing his covenant with them. He is telling them what he will do. He is reiterating these ten, uh, much of the Ten Commandments, warning. And so he, he tells them, no, here's some things to avoid, right? Don't make any covenants with other nations. Don't worship their gods lest they lead you into spiritual adultery. Don't do that. He's a jealous God. Another, in verse 14 there, another aspect to his character, to his name. He's not, again, this isn't like teenage jealousy over uh, affections being given to some other boyfriend or girlfriend. No, he is holy God. And the only one that can demand our entire allegiance, affection, and adoration. He, exclusively he and he alone should receive it. And then, because they seem to have missed it before very clearly, in verse 17, they're not to make themselves any idols of cow's metal. And apparently they, you know, he, even though he laid that out before, let's just be clear, no idols, y'all. And then he gives them the feast, the celebrations to remember and worship. And so just going to work through them quickly here in verse 18, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a feast, a, a reminder that they were to, uh, 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 to put on their calendar of their deliverance from Egypt, of that week when, or when they had to, uh, the week that they would celebrate that night where they had to flee in haste where they couldn't allow the, the yeast to rise, but it was unleavened. They were to eat nothing with it. So build into the rhythms of their calendar. This uh, Sabbath that verse 21 talks about is a remembrance of God's sovereignty, his control, his creation over them. They were not to work. They were no longer slaves bound to work from sunup to sundown. They had a day of rest, resting as God's gift to them. Verse 22, the feasts, two feasts here, of we, the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Ingathering. Those celebrations at the times of harvest of God's good provision for them as they would work hard and, and uh, till the land and grow these crops, but it was God who would give the yield. And so as they would collect this uh, uh, in their hard work, they were to bring some to the Lord as a celebration. God, you have done this. Verse 25 then, a mention here of the Passover. That remembrance at the end of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the remembrance of God sparing them on that tenth and final plague that where they would uh, kill the lamb and spread its blood over their doorposts so that as the angel of death passed through the land, their firstborns would be spared. They were to remember this. They were to celebrate these things. And so God gives them things to avoid and things also to remember, to add, so they would not forget. And there's kind of a strange little one here at the very end of this, at the end of verse 26, isn't it? And it's repeated here. It's also back in chapter 23, verse 19, but that's not boiling a young goat in its mother's milk. It's just kind of, it's almost odd, isn't it, church? Like he's like going through all this and it's like, wait, and don't forget this, don't boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And you're like, what the world? And so just a little excursus on the meaning of this here, because there's uh, much debate on it. 
And actually from this verse, some like uh, modern kosher laws amongst the Jewish people are, are born out of this. And so what's happening here? Well, there's some say, well, it's possibly a, a, a pagan practice that they were to avoid. This was something that those nations, whether the, those uh, nations mentioned in verse 11 that they would practice. And so this was a very tangible way. Hey, we don't do this. We don't boil uh, young uh, animals in their own mother's milk. And so as a way to set them apart, Here's this. But there's probably more likely a theological significance to this command. See, what is milk meant to do? What is God in his good design of the female body? It's the milk to promote life, to give life to young. And so his milk is not meant to destroy it. And so it is a, it is, it, it is a, a shame to the God's created order to use what God has given for the promoting of life, to use it to destroy a life. And church, make no mistake, when we reverse God's order, when we reverse God's good design in our life, things always go terribly wrong. And so this is just a practical reminder for them. Hey, when we use for harm what God meant for good, it is not going to turn out well. This applies, this principle applies into all things in our life. From how we raise our kids and how we discipline our kids to uh, in our marriage and in sexuality, these things, when we reverse God's order, when we reverse God's good design, things turn out bad. So what do we do when God reveals his plan, when God reveals his order, when God reveals uh, his, uh, his design, we worship him through obedience, even when we don't understand it, right? And so in order to remember these things, God tells him then in verse 27, hey, write all this stuff down. How many of us people tell us one thing, and if we don't write it down the next day, are we remembering it? Israelites have already shown they have a hard time remembering things. So God's like, Moses, write this stuff down. And then the Lord himself again writes the 10 words or the 10 commandments on these tablets so they don't forget it. And told that Moses was there 40 days, no food, no water, fasting before the Lord. But church, here's the thing. These, in this passage, in these instructions, we can just very simply say this as a way to remember these things. God's way, we obey very simple. It kind of rolls off the tongue. God's way, we obey. Say it with me. Ready? God's way, we obey. Let's say it again. God's way, we obey. See, we run from what he tells us to avoid. We run from it as if a tornado is on our tail. We destroy the idols that he warns us about. They're to pulverize them here. There's no playing nicely with idols. This isn't a game where there's sportsmanship and and the shaking of hands. There is only complete and utter destruction of our idols. See, we follow where God says to go, even when we can't see all the twists and turns along the way. We celebrate what God says is good, even when the world around us says it's bad or weird or outdated. We do what he says is right, even if the culture says that it's wrong or evil. We call what God says good, good, and evil, evil, all according to his word, See, for the Israelites, there was these commandments, many of them, that they were to follow, this Mosaic covenant. But for us, it is much different. We live according to his great commission. 
What Jesus laid out for us in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where he says, Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I commanded. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. See, for the Israelites, God would set them free. He would deliver them from their captivity. He would set them free from their sin to enjoy him, to enjoy his presence, not just to go and live for however they wanted and party it up in the promised land. The same is true for us. He sets us free from our sin to enjoy him, to enjoy his presence, not just to live however we want, wherever we live. So his commandments are to us, his commandments to us, then are the boundary lines. If you want to live God, you want to be with him. If he was to dwell with you and his presence to be with you, that he is within the boundary lines of his commandments, not outside of them.